Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Genesis chapter 14 verses 18, and all saints heard, Amen. The Bible speaks in Genesis 14, 18 of a man called Melchizedek. Somebody say Melchizedek. The 18th verse says he's the king of Salem, he brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. Hallelujah. Underline bread and wine. Praise God. He was the priest of the Most High, and he brought bread and wine. Somebody shout hallelujah. And the next verse says, and he blessed, uh, and he blessed him, who Abraham, and said, be blessed of the most high God, possessor of heaven. Abraham, be blessed, Abraham, of the most high God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the most high God, which has delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And he gave him a tithe of all. And the kingdom of Sodom said unto Abraham, da, 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 da. that's the list. We are introduced to a man called Melchizedek. The Bible calls him one, underline, he's a king of Salem. But number two, he is a priest of the most high God. That individual comes in two pictures. He comes one in the picture of a priest and he comes in a picture of a king. Somebody shout hallelujah. In the Old Testament dispensation, there were always three kinds of anointings. There was a kingly anointing, there was a priestly anointing, and there was a prophetic anointing. We know very well that there was never a time in history where there was a priest who was a king. You know that. In fact, we know in scripture where a king is judged for doing priestly duties. Isn't it? Because a priest was not supposed to be a king and a king was not supposed to be a priest. We saw instances where kings were prophetic. But still, again, God insisted that a prophet be a prophet, a king be a king, and a priest be a priest. That is not how so the New Testament dispensation is. Paul says, as made a preacher, an apostle and a teacher to the Gentiles. This was one man with three offices operating on his life. We want to take away the mind that I hear in the New Testament people discussing sometimes and they say, you know, in the New Testament, like the old, if you're a king, you're a king, you can't be a priest, you can't be a prophet. That's not possible in the New Testament dispensation. The issues changed. I'm apostolic, you can't argue about that. But I'm also prophetic and you can't argue about that. And I'm a teacher and you can't argue about that. But I'm also a preacher and you can't argue about that. You understand? I carry an evangelistic thing, but you can't just argue about that. That's why I told people the apostolic is very intimidating because it's amazing. Anyway, my point is, oh, nobody can function in the fivefold ministry save Jesus. But you see, we are part of that body. Aren't we? We are part of that body. What I'm yet to know is whether man can function in all the five and be called all the five, be called, but for me at least I function in all the five comfortably. Give me a crusade, you will see. Give me a preaching session, you'll see. Give me a teaching session, you'll see. I have seen it happening in my life to the glory of God, except that there are extra graces that I see in particular offices than others. So sometimes I tend to zero on some of those that I see the grace flow more efficiently and effectively. So, but I wanted to help you understand that in the New Testament dispensation, we have people who are preachers, teachers, and you understand what I'm saying? Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, that, that combination of the priest and king sets him apart as a distinctive entity for us to go deeper, to explore. And in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8, 
The Bible says, though he were a son, but he learned what? Obedience by the things he suffered. And what happens then? And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation upon all of them that obey him. And the Bible says, and he was called, who is that? Jesus, uh, of God, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say and had to be uttered, seeing that you are dull of hearing. Somebody shout hallelujah. He says, we have many things to say about this fellow. Of which, of course, these things define too much and they're expedient for the church to know. But many people are not given the opportunity to know them. Or to some of whom it's supposed to be available, many their hearing is dull. There are many things about the Christ, many things about the Christ that dull people can't hear, that weak souls can't hear. Even Paul at one point is disturbed. He says, I came to give you meat, but I realize you were still young, you were still unable, and so I gave you milk. Jesus is deeper than many things we can articulate. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And it's an error to preach of a Jesus you don't know out of excitement, but it's beautiful when you know who you're talking about. A couple of years ago, I read that scripture and it disturbed me for so long. I said, God, when you tell people that there are many, many things that you need to say about this man, but you're unable because our ears are dull, examine me, is my ear dull? If it is dull, then deal with my ear so it's not dull. So it has a precision and a precinct experience of you that I could hear you fully. Because how can I get to a point where there's a willingness of God, you, to give me all knowledge that I need, but then my spirit and soul are not able to receive and conceive these things that are available to me by the spirit. Are you hearing me? Yet this is eternal life that they might know the one true God and his only son, Jesus. How? So I saw out a hunger to know and asked God, what are these things? What are these things? What are these things? Because that's the soul foundation, soul foundation that gives you the boldness and authority of the spirit. Those are the things that make you and I a man and a woman of God. The gifts of the spirit give you identity in the spirit, right? The revelation of Jesus Christ gives you authority in the spirit. You have to go simply beyond being a normal church member attendant to progress to a place where you're a principality in your own people. To progress to a place where people look at you and say, this is man or woman is not just an average man. They're a general in the spirit. But it is by the revelation of Jesus. Paul called it by the revelation of Jesus. He says that's, that's the essence and sole way and cause of why we preach the way we preach. And the only passport that allows us to go the places of the spirit that we must go. This is, he, he tells you, Paul in his own words, he tells you that the, it was by the revelation of Jesus Christ. It was by the revelation of, of Jesus Christ. It was by the revelation of Jesus Christ. When Jesus is revealed to you, you automatically become a minister because you're a witness. That which we have seen, that which we have touched, that which we have tested concerning the word of life, he says, we give unto you. Because our hands have handled concerning the word of life. That your fellowship will be with us for our fellowship is with the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus must become an experience. That's why I tell people, when you go to Bible school, you go to theology class, we, they will give you as much philosophical. In other words, it will be a reasoning to appeal to your mind to convict your soul yearn and hunger for the experience of the person of God. But some people go to Bible school, they go to theology school, and they don't come back with the experience. The word of God does not cut them enough for them to yearn for the experience. So they come back with a lot of knowledge, but without results. They come back with too much knowledge, but without results. You understand? It's like teaching people a way that you can't live. You cannot teach a man how to build church when you fail to build a church. Can you? 
Sometimes I see people, call people for conferences, and then they say, oh, we are calling people to teach us about financial, financial uh, independence and, and, and what it means to move in kingdom finances. And then they bring a broke fellow. I would not speak save of the things which Christ has wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient in word and deed. Are you hearing me? When you have had a testimony of some, you have the audacity to speak about it. But if you don't have the results thereof, search and seek more until these results are evident enough in your life for you to be able to testify them to another. Somebody shout hallelujah. I know that that is a hard tablet to chew, but I have had to treat myself. There were times I've been invited to speak about certain things and I'll tell them, you know what? I'm sorry, I'm not gonna be available. But in my heart, I know that the qualification is still wanting. But there are things as well that are revelational, that whether you want it or not, they're working in you and you can minister about them. But there are also spaces as a man, you must carry wisdom to say, you know what? This is not my space to speak about. Let me look for a better person. It's fairer in the kingdom to give honor to whom honor is due, custom to whom custom is due, and praise to whom praise is due. If somebody has made money, they can teach you how to make money. If somebody has built something, they can teach you to build something. Somebody shout hallelujah. So, we are at a place where there is many things that have to be said about this man. But the hearing was dull. And so the prayer of a man and woman of God then is God opened my ears and caused my ear to be strong and precinct to, to your word, to heed to your voice, to understand you. And because this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, the foundation of our gospel, right? He says, and this gospel that I preached was not preached to me by any man, neither was it uh, given to me or taught to me by any man, but as it was by the revelation of Jesus Christ. He doesn't mean that he says that I don't believe in the teaching anointing or that I don't believe in the teacher teaching me. He only says that even though the teacher taught me, it is what Christ revealed to me when the teacher was teaching are you hearing me? Even though a man of God ministered to me, it is what Jesus revealed to me when the man of God was ministering to me. That is how I got to know Jesus. You're not going to know Jesus because I'm talking to you. You're going to know, know Jesus because as I'm speaking to you, he's revealing himself to you. Do you understand? That's what makes you the minister. Now he says we have many things to say about this man. And so years ago I told Jesus, you know what? Talk to me about these things. Who is this man? Oh, like I said, many things were revealed about the priesthood and kingship and the person of Melchizedek. Now we're not just talking about only the person of Christ, but simply the topic Melchizedek. So I'll share one or two for you to the glory of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now you see, the name Melchizedek comes out of two words. How many of you know that? The two Hebrew words. The first word is Melchi, meaning king, right? Zedek, meaning righteousness, the righteous one, right? But Zedek comes from a root word called Zadak, right? And Zadak is the root word that begets Zedek, which is the righteous one. The root word Zadak, is translated as one which is right or righteous to make many righteous and right. Did you get it? The completion of the righteousness on the Christ is not embedded in the ability and grace on him to be right, but it is also in the other part and half of the story, the extension of him also to make you right. He's not just a righteous one, but he also makes you right. Are you hearing me? Jesus is your righteousness and he, he is righteousness to make you righteous. Are you hearing me? He is merciful to make you merciful. He is loving to make you loving. He's powerful to make you powerful. He's healing to make you healing. His glory to make you glory. Of his fullness, the Bible says, we have received. Somebody shout hallelujah. We have not received the part of him. We have received of his fullness. He's the righteous one. And the one that makes many righteous. But the Bible also calls him the king of Salem which means that he was the prince of the king of peace. He's both the king of peace and righteousness. 
Those are our inheritances. Those are our portions in Christ. When he says he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for iniquities, he became sin that you not being dead to sin might live unto righteousness. And he tells you also that the chastisement of your peace was upon you by his stripes you were healed. You see how healing comes, whether financial, physical, and any other way? You must understand what it means to carry the gift of righteousness and understand the peace that comes with that. Jesus had to come in the flesh for man to fully understand him. He existed before the flesh. He carried forms and came in forms. The scriptures tell us that he was the cloud by day. He was the fire by night. He was the stone and the rock from which they drank. And now he comes in the very image of Melchizedek. The prophets of old saw parts and pieces with him. The Bible says Moses esteeming Christ's greater riches. The Bible says Abraham, your father, he says, the Bible says, he saw my day, Jesus says, and he was glad. He rejoiced in his himself but you see they all of these people could only see in part and how do we know that Peter tells you of which the prophets of old such Isaiah was searching what do you mean he was wounded for transgressions what do you mean he was bruised for iniquities we considered him stricken smitten and afflicted of God but he was he bore our sicknesses he bore our infirmities they were seeing things you understand behold the root of Jesse a star shall come from David and he shall rule with the hand of you see they see they see but the revelation of God is not clear. He is abstractly present as a person, but he is present in another form. It took a few men of God to discern who exactly Christ was, but he was existent. Right? That is why in the book of Acts, when Paul, Saul, has an experience with God, Ananias comes to him. What does Ananias tell him? He tells him that you have been raised for such a time as this, right? That you might know the things that you must suffer for Christ. But he also tells him that you'll also design the things in which Christ shall reveal himself to you. He might not come in a vision physical, but there are things in, in which he will appear to you. Fix of the things in which he shall appear. The things that I will show you and the things in which I will appear. The things Christ will show you. Some people have wonderful visitations. Yes. He says, but rise and stand up thy feet for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose to make thee a minister and a witness both of those things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto thee. So don't limit yourself to the visitation of this individual before you. I saw Jesus. Well, I've had about five or six experiences like that where the person of Christ comes and he appears and probably gives me instructions about things and many of which are very personal for me to explain now and some quite about four of them he told me to narrate them at a certain age of life and ministry because they are not right to narrate now. People might misunderstand me or for some it might then come off as boastful and, and, and not be beneficial. Sometimes when we make experiences, the standard, we lose the bigger picture. It's hard sometimes to hold it back when you know it could benefit one or two, but it's mature in love, right? To speak to those that need what they need and not speak what men don't need. You understand? Because there's a knowledge that puffs up, but there's a love that seeks edification. And that love causes me sometimes not to say the things that I see. We see more than we say. But you see, when you've seen God a certain way, you let the results speak for you. Later, they will ask questions. Praise God. Because the hand of God will operate on you in ways that they've not seen before. And when they see, they'll ask questions. Those that really care to ask. Are you hearing me? Because even in there, there are people who don't care to ask. There are people who don't know that the hand of God is moving in this nation. There are even people who come in service, but they play in the things of God like it is a normal thing. The children who will live after, the ones who will tell you, oh, this thing was deeper than we thought. Go back in the history of this nation from the day the boundaries was drawn, or even beginning of the earth. You might find there was never a time in the history of this land where you had people sitting every week on Thursday like the numbers we sit. But some of you take it lightly. It's not light. Why? Our 
our children will look back later in these days, many years later, and say there was a man who could see these numbers and they had 58 live streaming centers. And it will be beautiful that we built the kingdom with you. You'll say we were there. I'm the one who was the usher. I was the COO. I was the one in the choir. We made days. And many of you, you're not ending in, in this. No. You're also going to become men of God and build big cathedrals and big ministries. Are you hearing me? Marry men and women of God. Have godly children. Oh, our future is bright. Tell your neighbor I'm excited about our future. I'm excited about our future. But you see, when a man is in the middle of a move, they don't know. Before we started Fanero 2014, it was impossible to find a weekly English-speaking meeting holding a thousand people in 2014. Now you're doing about 8,000 up there. You're doing 58 live streaming centers. And then the thousands that are watching across the world. And this is happening in just four years. To God be the glory. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Except it be God. You can't do this. Except the Lord. So I don't take it for granted that I'm seeing these faces with whom we are writing stories with. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, we have things to tell our children. Tap somebody and tell them we have things to tell our children. When they're playing, tell them, look, we built Fanero. We built it. Don't, don't play, don't play. We mobilize. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, you, you, you have a right now to rebuke your child when they're playing in the gospel. You show them pictures, you see that? That was us, baby. What's your time doing? You understand? You, you have the right now to provoke them to a holy anger. A righteous anger. Hallelujah. Our children will see these days and seek God. They'll just see funeral photos and go on their knees. And by that time, they'll be speechless. You see, by that time, many things will be able to explain, right? Because they say, no, by time, you know, by time you make 10 years, of course. But they'll look back and say, these guys look like this in the second year. You mean they look like this in the third year? You know, until you start this, you can't understand it. And you're dealing with every kind of individual, with their kind of revelations of Jesus Christ. And you love them all in Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. So we don't take it for granted. There are things in which Christ shall appear to you. It's a very myopic understanding to think that you've not seen Christ because he did appear in a vision in person or you did not dream about him addressing you. Many of you, Christ has appeared in many ways. As it is for some, you've heard of suggestions that we have to welcome visitors humbly because in them could be angels. Are you hearing me? I've seen angelic kinds of things through individuals. One time a woman walked into my office when I was still in the bank. She walked in with a huge amount of money. She placed it upon my table and walked away. Up to today, I've never seen that woman. I don't know whether it was an angel or not because I needed the money badly. <laughs> May God send such people to you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So there's things that you will see will be in which Christ will appear to you. He existed abstractly. He existed in different forms. Hidden as a mystery for men with wisdom to demystify. And a few prophets and men of old, they saw him. They understood him. They discerned that this was a Christ. But there was many people Christ was with among and they never knew him. You can be with people and they'll never know who you are. They'll never know who you are. The prophets that lived in the days of Elijah, they did not know who Elijah was to Israel. He thought he was just one of those prophets with a, with a servant called Elisha. Until the anointing settles on Elisha, that's when they're like, oh! they bow down to Elisha, but they could not bow down to Elijah. What a mistake, what an error. What a misinterpretation. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Are you learning something? Now this man, we have many things to say because he comes both as king and priest. Are you following what I'm saying? He comes both as king and priest. And what does he do? He is the righteous one to impute righteousness on you. He is the one of peace to give you peace. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? In Revelation chapter 1 and verses 5, it calls him Jesus, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth and to him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests unto God and his father. To him be glory, dominion forever and ever. He has made us kings and priests. The king and priest Melchizedek has made you and I a king and a priest unto God. So you don't only carry the gift of righteousness. There are many things to say about this man. You don't just carry about righteousness. You don't just carry about peace. You don't just carry about power. No, you are both king and priest. That anointing settles on you permanently. But also the Bible says, I desire that you may prophesy. So you're a prophet of your own because you carry the word which is the sure word of prophecy. He says you do heed, to you, you do good to take heed of it as a light that shines in darkness and the day dawn until the, the, the day star rise up in your heart. So you are a prophet of your own. You are a king of your own. You are a priest of your own. All the Old Testament three anointings are tapped up in one person because of Jesus. Somebody shout hallelujah. How can you fail in this life when you command a kingdom? He's the king of kings. Who are the kings? You, hallelujah. He's the priest of priests. Who is the priest? You, hallelujah. So you're both a priest to your nation. You're a priest to your household. You're a priest to your school. You're a priest in your business. You're a priest in your home. You're a priest everywhere. You're a king in your nation. You're a king in your business. You're a king in your marriage. You're a king everywhere. You carry the kingly. You're a prophet in your home. You're a prophet in your business. You're a prophet in your nation. You're a prophet Wow, how can you fail? Tell your neighbor there are many things to say about this man. There are many things. There are many things. There are many things. And your ear should not be dull. Your ear should not be dull. He is. And for me knowing that I carry righteousness, that I carry righteousness, I'm in the kingdom of God. That's why I feel, you know, somebody was telling me, oh, somebody said, you know, I, I want to leave church. I want to leave these things of salvation. I just, I just don't feel, I, I want to leave church. And somebody asks, why? Because I don't see results in my life. I don't see results in my life. And I said, oh my God, what, what is results? What is results? There's a Muslim called Al Sayyid. He's driving a car right now in Saudi Arabia, one of the most expensive cars probably right now as I'm speaking, and he doesn't have Christ. But he's grateful to Allah for that car. And there's a Christian who has zeroed down the relationship of God on a car, that because you don't have a car and your finances are not working yet, let me use the word yet, you want to leave salvation. You don't even know the price that was paid for your life. I told people the kingdom of God is not meat. He says, it is not meat and drink. The kingdom of God is righteousness. It is peace. It is joy in the Holy Ghost. I told people that is results. Results is being is carrying the confirmation of the affirmed righteousness that you carry in Christ. Righteousness is a shield, the Bible says. He called it it's a shield, it's an armor, it's part of your armory. You understand what I'm saying? It's a part of your armory. He calls righteousness a weapon. Are you hearing what I'm saying? How can you not know that being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus is what gives you the right to reign as a king in this life with this one man Jesus and receiving the abundance of grace? I know why some people think that way. You look at the things that are seen. The Bible says, seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
Now we are in the kingdom, we carry the righteousness. And we are not the seekers now, we are the possessors now. We are the possessors of the kingdom and the righteousness. And what does this is? And he says, and all these things shall be added unto you. They shall follow you. You understand? I told people when you're conscious, when you get in your pocket and then you find that there's no money, you're following something. Right? Like you follow somebody on Twitter. Like you follow somebody on Instagram. Like you follow somebody on Facebook. Like you follow a minister on Facebook. Right? When you check your pocket and there's no money and you're conscious that there's no money, you're following poverty. You're following money. If you're conscious of any lack, you're following that lack. What does it mean to follow? Your mind is steadfast on that lack. We were once broke to physically. But there's a point where you die to that. And you start to look like you're not wise or you don't know what you're doing. But God is doing something way bigger than a man can ever do for you. I told people, this guy called the actor called Williams. That fellow was worth more than $70 million. He was paid to make people smile and he was dying inside. Let me tell you, when you get money, you realize it's not the source of joy. Some of you think when you get money, you'll be happy. No, it's not the source of money. Hallelujah, it's not the source of joy. Praise God. No, you're happy because you have Jesus. Hallelujah, somebody. Somebody shout hallelujah. You ask us who have money. No, we have money, yes, but we are the righteousness of God in Christ. We have money, yes, but we have joy unspeakable, full of glory. We have money, yes, but we have the peace that passes all understanding that guards our hearts and minds in Christ. That is the source of our joy. That the joy is not because they added a salary. Joy is not because you got a new car. Joy is not because you got a nice house. Joy is not because you have this and got that and got him and got her. No. Joy is because you have Jesus inside you. And it's more than just an abstract statement. He's more than, he's more than just a thing they talk about. No. He's an experience. That's results. This is eternal life, that you might know him, the one true God, and his only son, Jesus. Otherwise, many are lasting for the things of this world, and their souls are dying every day. And yet when you know him, these things follow you. Yet not as one seeking him for the things to follow, but as one seeking him because you're dead to the things. And how do we know the difference? He searches the heart. The things you seek for will run away from you. The things you don't seek will seek you. Hallelujah. What are you following on Twitter? Poverty. Are you so conscious of what is happening and what's not happening in your house? Then you have a bigger problem. You have a bigger problem, brother and sister. Results is eternal life to know the one true God. Listen, there is no amount of money you could ever pay me for revealing Christ to you every Sunday and Thursday. No amount of money. One time I was in a certain church in the United States and this man asked me, how much do you want us to pay you, your honorarium? Because, you know, many ministers, your kind have a standard. I told the man, there is no amount of money you can pay me to preach Jesus Christ. Because to me, he's both priceless and indescribable. Some of you are a seal of my apostleship, like Paul says. And that's the truth. You can't doubt it. You can, you can, it's not even being boastful, it's the truth. You, you are of me in Christ. If you had not had this gospel, you'd be very far. Do I have a witness? Some of you, you came from very But even you sitting in church and then you construct yourself very well like a Rubik's Cube and then you watch around like you're the holiest thing. Oh. Praise God. Do I have a witness? Do I have someone here and you came from far? You are not a preacher's kid. No, you, you came 
You know that people always preach as kids, you're in church, your father used to preach, so you knew the stuff. You understand, probably your father had a connection in the church there. That's, that's a life, you understand, that's a life. Ask people like me, you understand? The crusade grounds, dusty places, a person is stamping his legs like this, and all of you are coughing, but Jesus is Lord, hallelujah. You understand? For us, it wasn't where we were. Uh-uh. It wasn't this comfort. You're, oh no. But God was there. <laughs> Hallelujah, somebody. So some of us, we've seen God a certain way. We, we have seen God. Have you ever been? Do I have a witness? Do you know there are people here, if it wasn't for the gospel, you would literally be dead. But the gospel came, hallelujah. You come to church, you don't have money, but you're happy. They can't take away your joy, hallelujah. You're persuaded of the future. You know who you've believed and where you're going. You know that one day things will change. And you have peace like you never had before. Oh, that peace. Some of you never used to sleep. But you go to bed amidst all the trouble and you find your head down like this and you're sleeping and people say but what's wrong with you don't you care that the ship is sinking <laughs> Woo, glory there's something inside you that tells you that I know who I have believed I know that one day one time at a certain point seeing that it was impossible for him to be held who is understanding what I'm saying? I know it is impossible for me to die of sickness. I know it is impossible for me to die of lack. I know it is impossible for my marriage to fail. I know it is impossible for my ministry to fail. He that began a good work in you, he shall see to accomplishment to the day of Christ. He shall see to accomplishment to the day of Christ. Tell your neighbor, hold on. It's coming. It's coming. It's too late not to come. Seeing that it is impossible for it not to come. No, we are not extreme. No, we just love him. We are responding to his love. It is irresistible. It is boundless. It is unlimited. It is unconditional. If he loves us that much, understand when we are crazy about him. We know him beyond human knowledge. We know him. He's an experience to our souls. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. We have many things to say about this man. Now you are a king. Now you are a priest and a prophet of the Most High God. You have authority, spiritual authority over your kingdom. And all of this is aimed in the general kingdom, the bigger picture, which is a Christ syndrome. The place where you and I dwell, hallelujah. And I told people, in Mark chapter 1 verses 4, the Bible speaks of John and the Bible says he baptized in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. That was the primary ministry of John the Baptist. Repentance for the remission of sins. Hallelujah. Because the kingdom was coming. And in Matthew chapter 3, 4, and 6, the same John had his raiments on camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him, Jerusalem, and all Judea and all the regions around about Jordan, and they were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. So we see uh, the duality here, both of the preaching of the penance for the remission of sin, but also as men were being baptized, they were confessing their sins. So we ask you the ultimate question. If men are baptized, confessing sins, sins because the baptism of John is for the repentance of the remission of sins. Why was Jesus baptized if he knew no sin? Was that baptism necessary to the Son of God? That poses a very fundamental question in what we call water baptism in the church. Hallelujah. If Jesus did not sin, 
And this was for repentance of sins. To introduce men in a kingdom that Christ was already in. And he had no sin to confess. Why then would Jesus need to? To what? Yes, why would he need to be baptized? That's why when it comes to John the Baptist in the same chapter, the 13th verse, Jesus comes from Galilee to Jordan and to John to be baptized of him. And what does the Bible say? John refused. He forbade him saying, I have need to be baptized of thee and comest thou unto me? At least I have a record of sin because I'm not as holy as you are, the son of God. You are the one supposed to be baptizing me. How then are you telling me that you should come that I should baptize you? Have you sinned? Is there any sin in you? Are you confessing any sins? But I have sin as John the Baptist because I am not like you. I am the one supposed to be baptized by you. Who baptized John the Baptist? Ding! Praise God. That's why I said I don't want to talk about it. But who, do you understand what I'm saying? Are you, are you following what I'm saying? So John couldn't baptize the man who has not sinned. And what does Jesus tell him? Jesus answered him and said, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. Look at the wording Jesus used. It becometh of us that me and you, John, must fulfill all righteousness. The baptism of Jesus had something to do with John's act, Jesus' act, and what God was going to do. Jesus didn't say it becometh of me to fulfill all righteousness. Because does Jesus need to be baptized to be righteous? He doesn't. He's the righteousness of God even before baptism, isn't it? Yes, he's righteous even before you dip him in water. Even when he comes up, he's still righteous. The baptism of Jesus Christ was as it becometh him and John, right? Him and John. Both of them were to fulfill something. There is one man saying, repent ye for the kingdom of God is nigh. But how can the kingdom of God come, right? How can it come to fruition without the fulfillment of all righteousness? Remember, the Bible speaks in Genesis that he was likened unto a son of God. In Hebrew, sorry, the Bible speaks of Melchizedek and the Bible says uh, he has no mother, he has no father, he has no beginning of days. He has no end of life. But he's made like unto the Son of God. And he abideth a priest continually. That's Melchizedek. He came as a son of God. Are you hearing me? And he is the king of righteousness. And Jesus wants to fulfill all righteousness. He cannot fulfill all righteousness without the recognition of him as a son. Because sonship precedes righteousness. Righteousness doesn't come after sonship. Sonship precedes righteousness. And he has not been recognized officially to the earth. And what happens? They dip Jesus in the water. And the Bible says, and out of the water, the heavens opened unto him. They didn't open to the men that were around. They didn't open to everybody. They didn't even open to John. They opened unto him. And the Bible says, and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning upon him. And the Bible says, and lo, a voice from heaven came saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. When God confessed to him the title of sonship, the Melchizedek order is conferred. Who understands what I'm saying? The Melchizedek order is conferred. Why? Because he must come in the likeness of sonship. But he also comes as king of righteousness. It didn't mean that Jesus wasn't righteous before. Right? But the confirmation of the affirmed office of Melchizedek the priesthood and kingship of the Christ is confirmed the day the heavens open to him and the voice comes out clearly and declares him a son. Beloved. And immediately he's called son. Beloved of the son. What happened? Immediately he's led by the spirit into the wilderness. And where is the wilderness? I told you there are three things. In the wilderness, God teaches you. In the wilderness, God kills you. And in the wilderness, he tries you. He allows testations that come to your maturity. If you are not convinced of God's love, he has no business taking you into the wilderness. Because you will doubt him. 
If you're not convinced of your sonship in God, he has no business allowing certain testations to mature you because when these testations come, you'll think he does not love you. When they come, you'll think that you're less loved. No, the man of the flesh can think so, but it's expedient for the man of the spirit to tell the difference. Even your Lord Jesus at the cross, he said, he cried out with a loud voice and says, Father, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? But that was Jesus, it wasn't the Christ. The Jesus was carrying the pain. The Christ knew the purpose and the assignment. The Jesus was carrying the dismay, the, the, the striking, the smiting, the shame, being stripped naked. In fact, in literal story, Jesus was stripped naked before men. But the Christ understood the mind and the love of the Father and his intent to serving mankind. The Christ could not make such a statement, but Jesus could. He cried. That means that things sometimes that will happen, some of us, if we told you the things we've gone through, you'd ask yourself many questions. Many questions. Many questions. You'd ask yourself, God, can a man of God go through this? Yes, we have. Yes, we have. Worse than many of you could ever even think it's just that we don't have the understanding of babes to sit and narrate facts when truth is present in scripture. But oh boy, we've been tried. We've been tested. And sometimes there comes a time where things hit you so badly and you look through this word and all you have is the word. All you have is this scripture to remind yourself, God, why did you call me when you knew I was going to go through this? God, why did you anoint me when you saw this in me? Why? How? You understand? And then you look through and he says, brethren, consider your calling for not many of you are of noble birth. Not many of you are wise according to the standard. But he called the foolish things of this world that he might shame the wise. He reminds me every day that my grace is sufficient for you. That my righteousness is imputed on you. That I called you. I love you. You're my beloved. And I go through this knowing very well that regardless of what I go through the end shall be good because I know who loved me that is why I tell people the love of God has to firstly be revealed when it is revealed to you it doesn't matter what report you've had it doesn't matter what issue is in you it doesn't matter what circumstance you go through it doesn't matter how big the problem is it doesn't matter how big you always know you're the beloved of the Father. You always know. There is that one thing that kept me, like I remember one time in my first year, I'd seen God experience team visitations had come, but then in my head, um, there were many things that were not just settling right eh, with me as an individual. And I remember one time I went to God and I said, God, fix me so I can serve you. <laughs> And he told me, Grace, I prune those that are producing fruit, present continuous. I don't prune you, then cause you to produce. No, I prune you as you're producing fruit. Serve me in your foolishness. Serve me in your craziness. Serve me in your, serve me in your, in your strength. Serve me in your weakness. Serve me in your wisdom. Serve me in your stupidity. Serve me, just simply serve me. I will prune you. The Bible says he prunes those that produce fruit. Now the word pruning again is translated as he imputes righteousness on them that continue believing. You understand? And then I remember one thing he, he told me very clearly. It was 2006, seven. He told me very clearly. He told me regardless of what happens to you, I can only promise you this one thing. Never leave my presence. Just never leave my presence. I'll make you stand. You understand? Regardless of what happens in your life, even when you feel like you want to give up, never leave the presence of God. Get so frustrated, come on Sunday and just sit like a stupid being, but be in the presence. Be messed up in the presence. Bring your stupidity in the presence. Bring your craziness in the presence. Bring your misunderstandings in the presence. Bring your pain in the presence, but never flee from the presence of God. Never flee. And from then on, I have never fled from the presence of God. He told me, come boldly. 
to the throne of grace. I'm not taking you to the throne of judgment. I'm taking you to the throne of grace. You know that you will receive mercy from me, my boy, and grace to help you in time of need. I will keep you. Why? Because you committed yourself to me. You told me that day when no man was there and you said, I will follow you, I will serve you, and I will love you for the rest of my life. It's my responsibility. I'm the author and finisher of your faith. I began this good work in you. I will see it to accomplishment on the day of Christ. I don't care how messed up you are. Bring your mess in the presence and just sit there and let the king of righteousness deal with you. Let the king of peace deal with you. Let his love deal with you. One day you will wake up and the things you thought were bigger have died in the light of his glory and strength. That is what it means to believe in God. But there are people, they go through things. Oh, I'm not going back to church. I'm not going to do this. I think I've given up. I'm then that. And I'm like, what? What did you mean when you said God told you to go and submit? What did you mean? You mean God changed his mind? You understand? You mean God changed his mind about you being in his presence? You mean he, because of a small issue, a short fix, you made a, a permanent decision over a short fix, a short issue, a small problem. You made a permanent this. You understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't give up on God. You don't give up on God. You don't draw back to perdition. You don't stop to believe because things are not in life. There are things that will come and hit you so bad. Are you hearing me? Man, we've gone through things. Some of you have never woken up and social media is abusing you the whole day. And you're walking and a man spits on you. And a man spits on you, live in the face, and says, we hate you. And a man finds you on the road and tells you, I will kill you, Rebecca Grace, I will kill you. Because you're a believer in the gospel, Oh my God, imagine all of that falling on you and you have to stand before men and say, Jesus is Lord. Some of you, you have not seen anything. You have not seen anything. But we still believe. And some people asked, how did you go through this? I believed that it would not swallow me. I just believed that it would. You just have to believe that this situation will not swallow you. It will not kill you. You just have to believe it. There comes a point where they can't believe for you. They can't advise you. They can't pray for you. You just have to believe for yourself that this sickness shall not end in death. Somebody shout hallelujah. And for me, my comfort has, was, and will always be in this one thing that I can doubt many things but I can never doubt the love God has for me. God loves me. I tell myself that every day. You understand? And that's the thing you should tell yourself every day, regardless of what is going through. Your love never fails. Your love never fails toward me. You have plans to make me prosper and not to harm me, to give me a future and hope that expected Then God, you care for me. You love 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 me. You care for me. You're there for me. You're my God. Things will hit you. Always go back. You're my righteousness in whom I stand. You're my peace. You're my joy. You're my glory. You're everything to, as you continue to, the more convinced you are, the more the things you thought were bigger start becoming small. We have many things to say about this man. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I carry a peace that passes all understanding. I carry a joy unspeakable, full of glory. I'm an heir of the kingdom of God. I am born of God. I have overcome this world. Come and get to your feet. I want you to speak words to that God. Just take a minute and talk to him. Just talk to him. Just take a minute. You, you probably have tongues. You probably don't have tongues. Whatever you have, I just want you to open your mouth and talk to God.
is what settles that you are his righteousness in Christ and that nothing will kill you nothing will destroy you that he will help you he will uphold you he'll strengthen you he will kill he will deal he will bend he will break he will establish he will uphold he that began a good work in your life he shall see to accomplishment to the day of christ he gives you a peace that passes all understanding he gives you a joy unspeakable full of glory you are victorious because you're born of god and ye are of god and have overcome this world in jesus name we have prayed and believed Give the Lord a man of praise. Come on, clap your hands to Jesus. Now, if you have never given your life to Jesus, everything we have said, you cannot claim. You need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There is nothing ashaming to receive love. Nothing, nothing ashaming to simply embrace the arms of the God who are open to you to receive him as your Lord and Savior. So if you've never given your life to Christ and you want to receive him as your Lord and Savior, I want you to repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, say today, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I believe that you died for my sins, that you gave your life for me tonight I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior I'm born again Amen God bless you The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International For more information contact us on telephone number 041 466 4291 or email us at at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.funero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero, make manifest. <laughs>